as some of you maybe see, you may be wondering, why is the preacher wearing a t-shirt? Anyway, so this is the uh, camp shirt, uh, and it's sort of a tradition after we come back from camp, we wear the t-shirt on the Sunday following, so, uh, you know, next week I'll be wearing shorts. Anyway, no, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So, uh, as I said, we, we were at church camp this, this past week, and boy, it was tiring, my goodness. Wow, and if you can tell, I'm, I'm still a little congested. As soon as I set foot there, um, I don't know what happened. I don't know how you can get congested that fast, and I haven't been in Texas that kind of prolonged period of time in a while, and so I guess I'm just not used to it anymore. So, as, uh, as LaDonna pointed out, maybe the organization process is working. Um, so I wasn't used to it. I wasn't used to the Texas weather, but, you know, it, it, at the campsite, it was just very dusty. Like, it's a nice campsite, but there's just a lot of dust. There's, very, there's no moisture, and so it was just kicked up everywhere. You can even take a look at our car. It's still very dusty, and so I, I guess it's just allergies, and I've had this congestion all week, and so, man, it was brutal. And I remember a time attending camp as, as a camper, and I would think to myself when I was like 12 or 13, wow, I wish I could just live here. Now looking back, and, and now as I go to camp, I'm like, oh my goodness, a week is more than enough. Make it three days, you know, and so... Just as an illustration, there's times when we'd have a a nap time after after lunch, and so we'd go back to the cabins, have a nap time, and then after the nap time, the campers would have some more activity time. And so when we'd get ready to have this activity time, we'd get the campers, okay, you can go back to the mess hall, you can go play in the field or whatever, and I'd be walking out the cabin, all right, go on, go on. All right, they're gone. <laughs> Time for more nap. And, and so it was just, it was brutal. I, I've, I've lost all my uh, youthful vigor. No, I'm kidding. I haven't. But some of you are like, you're still young. Anyway. So that being said, uh, do you want the camp sermon or do you want a sermon from Philippians? I ask, I ask because I have a sermon from Philippians, though I have not prayed over it enough and I have not looked over it enough. And so I was tempted to preach on it, but it's best to do the camp sermon because I, I have not dedicated enough prayer. I have not dedicated enough time to look over it. So you're getting the camp sermon. Just so you know, it's not out of laziness. It's not out of laziness. It's out of necessity. So that being said, I want to start with a question. How many of you have seen like a survivalist uh, series like maybe Survivor or Alone? Anybody? Right. And so in these series... We, we see these contestants, they're thrown out into the wild, and, and they have to survive, right? Hence, survivalist series. And so recently, Michaela and I, we've been watching this series called Alone, and, and the contestants recently, they were put in Alaska, and there are a lot of grizzly bears where they were at. And so we're watching them, and they're over here suffering, right? They have to build their own fires. They have to build their own cabins, and we're over here criticizing them. We're like, oh, that's a, that cabin's kind of pathetic. Oh, well, that, that fire's not really that great. Speaking of which, how many people can build a fire here? Anybody? How many can start a fire with no, no assistance? Yeah? See, I can't do that. And yet, we were, we were sitting back watching these people, criticizing them, and, you know, they're over here suffering. Like, oh, my stomach hurts. Oh, my feet hurt. You know, we're criticizing them. They're going through these tests and trials, and we're over criticizing them while we eat our bowl of ice cream on the couch, you know, as I, I assume we all do while we watch those episodes. Now, maybe not to the extreme that these, test, uh, these contestants are tested we will all be tested in life whether we like it or not. Right? We will be tested by temptation and we will be tested by trials. Now, one thing I want to make clear before I go on. Do not invalidate somebody's experience. 
See, I don't care what kind of test, I don't care what kind of temptation, I don't care what kind of trial they've been through. Do not invalidate somebody else's experience. Guess who didn't? Jesus never invalidated somebody's experience. He didn't go up to the paralyzed man and say, oh, poor you, your legs don't work. Guess who's going to be on the cross in a few weeks? Jesus never did that. Do not invalidate somebody's experience because the reality is we will all face tests, we will all face temptation, and we will all face trials in life. And as far as testing goes, I'm going to first point to Jesus. Jesus is the best example as how we should go through and how we should deal with tests, whether it be temptation or trials. Now, to set this up, I'm going to read Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. If you remember, I did reference this uh, a few weeks ago, but I'm going to reference it again because it sets up Luke chapter 4 nicely. So Hebrews 4, verse 15. For we do not have a high priest, that is Jesus, who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. One who is in, has been in every respect tempted or tested as we are, yet without sin. Now that word for tempted there, it has enough variation where it can mean both uh, temptation and trials, just general trials. So Jesus, in every respect, he has been tempted, he has been tested, he has been through trials as we have. And so let's go to Luke 4 now. Having that in mind, Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, verse 1. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. Okay, i got to stop there. We can't brush over this. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. You need to hold on to that phrase because that phrase informs this whole passage. Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. You see, the way Jesus was able to deal with this temptation is defined by the fact that he was full of the Holy Spirit. And look, if you're, if you're dealing with temptation and if your life is not defined by you being full of the Holy Spirit, you are not going to be able to overcome that temptation because the Holy Spirit is the key to overcoming temptations and to persevering through various trials. The Holy Spirit defined Jesus's life. Verse 1, and Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit and he returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil, and he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. And when they were ended. See, that's another line I think is very important and sets up this passage. When they were ended. See, I think the devil is coming at Jesus when he is most weak, when he is most hungry at the end of 40 days. Verses 3 and 4. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. Now, with each temptation, you're going to notice that the devil targets a few things. He targets stuff, influence, and pride. And in the first one, we see the devil, he targets pride and stuff. Right? Turn this stone into bread. Right? If we were here, if we were fasting for 40 days and we really wanted something. If he tempted us with this, we probably would succumb. I'm hungry. It's already ended. My temptation is I need that bread. And we see that the devil, he targets pride. If you are the Son of God. If. And notice Jesus' response here. He responds with Scripture. In fact, it comes from Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. Now, some have taken this. Some have taken this and said, well, Jesus knew his Scripture very well, therefore we should. 
Right? Now, while it is true that Jesus knew his scripture very well, and while it is important for us to know scripture, that application is way too simplistic. Let's go to John chapter 14. John chapter 14, verses 25 and 26. These things I have spoken to you while I'm still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Yes, Jesus knows the scripture well. Yes, it's a good idea to know our scripture well, but that application is way too simplistic. You see, Jesus understands that it is the Holy Spirit that makes knowing scripture mean anything. That's why he's telling his disciples this. That's why he's telling them, look, you're going to have this Holy Spirit that's going to bring a remembrance of scripture, just as Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, has the Spirit bringing a remembrance of everything that was written. So yes, it's good to know scripture. Read your Bible. Study your Bible. But you can know everything in Scripture and yet miss it if you do not have the Spirit. Verses 5 through 8 in Luke 4. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, To you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I will give it to whom I will. If then you will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Now here we see the devil. He tries to tempt him with influence and stuff. Right? And now our society, we, we kind of see this happen, don't we? We see our society is so caught up in influence. Right? Now, now for those you know, uh, who are older here, uh, what, what are younger people into? They are into influencers. They want to be an influencer. We see this on social media. They, they want to be people who can influence how people think. They can influence how pe- what people want. They can influence how people live. People want to be influenced. They, they want to have this authority. They want to have power. But the thing is, sometimes when people want that influence, they compromise themselves. Notice what the devil says here. He says that he'll give him this authority, he'll give them, him this influence if he worships him. You see, for influence, for power, for authority, people will compromise themselves. And I've seen it time and time again. I've seen my peers time and time again compromise themselves, whether morally or spiritually, just so they could have power, just so they could have influence, just so they could have authority. And Jesus, he responds to this temptation yet again with the word of God, and it comes from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 13. This time we'll turn there. Deuteronomy 6. Deuteronomy 6, verses 13 through 15. It is the Lord your God you shall fear. Him you shall serve, and by his name you shall swear. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are around you, for the Lord your God in your midst is a jealous God, lest the anger of the Lord your God be kindled against you and he destroy you off the face of the earth. Now a little context here. When you think about Israel, the nation that they were, often in scripture we see that they're defined by power, but it's not power of themselves, but power from God. But the reality is, historically, they weren't that powerful of a nation compared to the other nations, according to worldly standards. 
Right? They look around and they see Babylon, they see Egypt, they see Assyria. These are powerful nations. They have so much worldly influence. They see this, they see their influence, they see their power, they see their authority, and they want that. They would trade their, their heavenly king, this heavenly power for an earthly power, for an earthly influence. Sometimes preachers got to think about how they say, and they got to be very intentional about what they say, and so that's what I'm doing. I really hope you do not turn out to be selfish. Oftentimes you can trick yourself, think you are being selfless when in fact you are being selfish. In Israel's mind, they thought it was good for them to have this authority, they thought they needed an earthly kingdom. Hence why they thought the Messiah would have been an earthly king and a Messiah who would have bring about their rule. They thought that's what God desired for them. They thought that was good. They thought that was really the selfless thing. You can trick yourself into thinking you're selfish, but when really you're just being selfish. I hope you do not become selfish. I've seen it so many times. I remember a lot of my peers in high school, and now I look on social media, I see what they're posting, I see how they're living, just selfishly. They do what they want, when they want, they have what they want. Their life is just about themselves. They are so self-consumed. Verses, 19 through thir- or verses 9 through 13, Luke chapter 4. And he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Now we see something a little different here, don't we? Uh, The devil, he quotes scripture. Right? And now he misquotes it, he takes it out of the context, mind you, but he quotes scripture nonetheless, and we know people who do that, right? We know people who take the word of God to support their agenda, their lifestyle, what they want. And so the devil does that here. He's trying to get what he wants, and he's trying to convince Jesus uh, to do what he wants with scripture. And yet again, we see the devil, he targets pride. If you are the son of God. Look, if you live your whole life prideful, meaning anytime somebody challenges you, you feel like you need to accept that challenge. Oh, yeah? I'll best you. I'll I'll prove you wrong. I will show you. I will humiliate you. If you live your life that way, you will be a slave to them because you're doing what they want. They want to challenge you, and once you accept that challenge, you become a slave to them. And more than this, in these verses, as we see Jesus point out, he's not going to test God. He's not going to test God's ability to deliver him. You know, some people, this is actually a metaphor that my wife once brought up to me, some people treat God like a vending machine, don't they? Right? God, if you bless me, then I will believe. God, do some tricks. God, uh, do something good for me. Give me good things in life, then I will believe you. I will give you my approval. But here's the thing, God does not need your approval in order to be 
God. He just is whether or not you believe. Don't treat God like a vending machine. You shall not put him to test, and you cannot challenge his authority. And yet again here, in verses 9 through 13, Jesus, he quotes from Deuteronomy. And again, a little bit of context. Notice that he quotes from one book, one specific book, and there's a good reason for this. You see, Israel, the, this, this scripture in Deuteronomy, it's like a correction to their failures. That's what Deuteronomy is, if you really want to know what it's for. It's a correction to their failures. Remember, the Israelites, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years because they did not obey or trust God. And now Jesus in the wilderness for 40 days, that's a very intentional parallel, 40 years, 40 days. Jesus trusts and obeys God, and he demonstrates that he's well aware of Israel's mistakes. And he learns from them. Jesus, he's a fulfillment of who Israel was meant to be. Now, usually when people read through this passion, when they read through verses 1 through 13, they'll stop at 13. But verse 14 is just too important. So verse 14 of chapter 4 in Luke. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and a report about him went out through all the surrounding country. Jesus returned in the power of what? The Spirit. Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. Yeah, you can quote Scripture. You can know all the Scripture you want, but without the Spirit, you will not be able to overcome temptation. Sure, it's a good idea to have an accountability buddy if you want. Sure, it's a good idea to cut off some things in life, but all your, your methods of overcoming temptation, all your knowledge means nothing if it is not informed, if it is not lifted up, if you are not filled with that Holy Spirit. See, this passage, it's bookmarked by the Holy Spirit. In verse 1, Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. In verse 14, Jesus leaves in the power of the Spirit. You see, his whole life, his whole ministry, the way he dealt with temptation, the way he overcome trials, is defined by being full of the Holy Spirit. Now, as I said, not only did the Spirit sustain Jesus during times of temptation, like here, the Spirit also persevered, uh, made, made him able to persevere through many trials, gave him strength. See, I know we all have been through mess in life. Life ain't easy. And I said this a few weeks ago, I'm not going to stand up here and act like I know what you've been through, because I don't. But I am confident that Jesus does. I'm confident that Jesus knows exactly what you've been through. Remember Hebrews 4.15. We have a high priest who has been tested and tempted in every respect that we have. Just in a few days span, Jesus was denied by a friend. He was, he was betrayed by his own people. Consider that. He was betrayed by his own people. Jesus, being a Jew, was handed over by the high priest, by, by the Pharisees, by his own people. The people, said, the people who said that they loved him, the people who were supposed to take care of their people, he was betrayed by his own people. Could you imagine being betrayed by your own family, being betrayed by your whole nation, being cast out as if you were nothing? He was mocked on, he was spit upon, he was beaten, he was crucified, and he was buried. See, one thing you can know in confidence is that Jesus knows exactly what you are going through. He knows your pain. He knows what it is to be human. First Peter, 
First Peter chapter 1. I'm going to back up all the way to verse 1 and through verse 3. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father and the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood, that blood that he shed on the cross. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So yes, Jesus was mocked, Jesus was buried, but he was raised. So I ask you, what will your response be to temptations and trials? Will you try to rely on your own will? Will you try to will yourself through them, to defeat them on your own? Or are you going to rely on the one person who can get you through those things? Will you have the Spirit permeate your life? Will you give up? Will you blame God? Or will you persevere knowing that God is your only hope in overcoming trials and temptation and that God is the only person who can save you from your pain and save you from your suffering? You can answer now as we stand and sing.